0: Morning, church. All right, I'm gonna ask, because I gave everybody a little challenge last week to read through Malachi every day. Oh oh. Yeah. I'll be honest, I missed Wednesday. I missed Wednesday. I goofed it. I was a creeping Ecclesiastes and forgot to get to Malachi. So it's it's all right, but it is good. It is it is time for us to just be in the word and to dig into it and as we get into Malachi we're gonna we're gonna really see where the theme of Malachi is this idea of worship, and what that means what is true worship is, is we've seen in our songs today um, and how that leads into to this. So let's take a look, Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. That's where we're going to be at today. So let's go ahead and hear the word of the Lord. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food my, upon my altar. But you say, how have, we, how have we offered polluted food to you? By saying, The Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? that you might not kindle, on, kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will, not accept an, I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it. When you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its fruit may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat, who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name shall be feared among the nations. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for its convicting power in our lives. I thank you for its rebuke to us when we fail you. Father, I thank you not just for that aspect of it, but from the fact that you are a redeeming God who loves us and is willing to forgive when we repent. Father, as we dive into this chunk of, of Malachi and we look at right worship of a holy God, I pray that as we, we dive into this that you would convict us, you would move in us, you would use this to, to rebuke us and to spur us on to a, a more right worship for, of you. A worship that that doesn't just honor and glorify you, but has done your way for your sake and for your glory. Father, as we enter into this time of of hearing your word, I pray that we would respond appropriately to the hearing of your word as you teach us from it today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have you ever stopped to to think about worship, to really think about it, to, like, ponder it, to ask yourself, what is right worship, right? Is worship just the songs that we sing in church? Is worship more than that? What does it mean to be in right worship? See, these are the sorts of things that we're going to be thinking about and, and diving into in Malachi, right? When we think of words like worship, some of the things we, we don't always think about are words like excellent, devoted, committed, right? We, we see words like excellent, devoted, and committed, we see them associated with, with top athletes, with really good students, with people that are, are business leaders, right? And people take pride in their, in their careers and their hobbies or pastimes, Right? We see words like excellent, devoted, and committed. We see these, these are words that we see in obituaries sometimes, right? John Doe was a devoted father, committed friend, and an excellent model railroader, right? We would see that sort of thing laid out in an obituary. Or we might see Susie Q was an excellent biscuit baker, committed knitter, and devoted Nemo, right? We would see those words used in that way. But we don't often hear those words used to describe someone's worship habits, have you ever stopped to think about that? We don't hear people describe somebody as an excellent worshiper, a committed worshiper, a devoted worshiper always. I want somebody to be able to say that about me. And, and by the way, I want it to also be true, right? That, that's not just that I want to... You know, when when the time comes and Leah's got to type out my, my obituary for the folks down, down at, the, at the funeral home, I wanted to be able to say, Michael was an excellent worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was committed to Christ above all else and devoted to his entire being to honor and worship of Jesus. And I want it to be true. I don't want it to just be lip service. See, one of the major themes of Malachi is that the people lack a wholeheartedness in their worship of God. And God brings these disputes, these arguments before the people of Israel because of their lackluster worship. And by lackluster, I'm not talking about lackluster like it's not that it's a show or it's a, a stage presence. It's not smoke and mirrors and lights and, and, and loud noises. No, it's it's lackluster because there's no polish on the people's hearts towards God. And here we see in chapters 1 verses 6 through 14, we see God offering up this second argument, this second dispute before the people. Here he is, the God of all creation, the one who has delivered these people from Egypt. He's brought them out of Babylon. He has conquered their enemies, and he has given them a land that flows with milk and honey. Here he is, God, and he is worthy of more praise, more honor, and more glory than it is humanly possible for us to show But the response of the Israelites to God's steadfast love in their lives is worthless worship. God is worthy of extravagant praise. God is worthy of of extravagant and loving obedience. God is worthy of all of these things. But the people give him none of that. They give God worthless worship. And as we dig into Malachi, we need to ask the Lord to probe our own hearts. We need to ask him to help us examine our hearts and our own state of worship. Prayerfully asking God and asking yourself, is what I am offering God in worship worthy of the one who has saved me through Jesus Christ? Or is what I'm offering up to my God, who has saved me through Jesus Christ, worthless? And we got to go back to that initial question again. What is worship? Is it singing? Is it prayer? Is it a specific posture that someone takes? Yes. It's all these things and more. It's an attitude within your own heart. Worship is to proclaim the worth of God. And through Malachi, God is calling Israel and us today to proper worship. We worship him because of who he is. Right? He, is, he is the supreme creator and ruler of the universe. And we also worship him because of what he has done. Right, He has delivered Israel and shown them his steadfast love. And, and for us, he has saved us from a sinful fallen nature through the grace of Jesus Christ and the work done on the cross for our sake. And he is worthy of meaningful worship. And as we look at this passage, we see that God is, is not receiving the worship that is due to to his name, and he holds the priests responsible for this failure of the people. In that first dispute, verses one through five, the dispute between the people was was between God and the people, and, and the people were questioning God's love for them. Right? God listened, and he rebuked, and he refuted with evidence and how he loves them. And we see God's sovereign love there. God's love for Israel should never really be questioned. And so what God then does is he turns the table a little bit on Israel. And now in this dispute, he's questioning their love for him. If God is the father of the nation of Israel, he receives no honor due to being their father. And if Israel are God's servants, he receives no honor or no fear for being their master. The priests despise the name of God, and yet they're so brazen to ask, How have we despised your name? And they have despised God's name by offering up polluted sacrifices unto the Lord. And this this goes back. This goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 22. And, And starting in verse 17, God's describing to Moses offerings that are acceptable to the Lord. And then in verse 22, he gets real specific. Animals that are blind or disabled or mutilated or having discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. Yet here, in my, I know it is rough. I love Leviticus because it is so descriptive. <laughs> it, it is it is like the little third grade boy who loves gross things. Favorite. It should be his favorite book in the Bible, right? But, But here we see God describing a very specific, these are things you shouldn't be offering up, but yet what we see described in Malachi is exactly those things being offered. He's offering just that up. This is exactly what the Lord was receiving as offerings from the people. Now, now here's the thing. And, and as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, how, how is this, what's happening here? Right, The people bring the offerings, but the priests do the actual altar work. It's not like the people bring the offerings and the people do all the altar work. The people bring the offerings and the priests do the offerings. And so what we see here is that the priests are allowing the people to offer less than satisfactory gifts unto the Lord. If the priests were doing their job, these offerings would be rejected before ever making it to the altar. And this is why the Lord is holding the priests accountable here. The priests have this complacency that's happening, and God is holding the priests accountable for this. It's not that the people are innocent. No, no, no. They are not innocent of their guilty behavior. They have guilt on them. But that complacency and the apathy of the priests has now spread among the people. And the animals that the people are bringing before the Lord are not just animals that are not suitable to bring before the Lord. They're not suitable to bring before local officials for a meal either, right? Would you offer this up to your governor? They're really not animals that are even suitable to be brought to your own dinner table. These are rough. These are are not things you would say, hmm, yeah, I'd like to eat that one. That's not. That's not what's going on. These are. These are the bottom of the barrel. These aren't even the middle tier animals, right? Like I get sometimes you can't afford grade A beef. That's okay, right? But you're not going back to the to the butcher or the meat cutter at Kroger and saying, "Hey, what do you got? That's getting ready to head to the dumpster." The people were basically dumpster diving and offering that to the Lord. And yet, yet they have this audacity to bring these horrible offerings before the Lord and offer them, and then, this is the audacity, then, then they expect him to bless them and show favor toward them for offerings. We brought you something I have no pleasure in you, he says, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Man, this is not something you want to hear from God. This is not, not a phrase I would ever want to have the Lord utter to me. All that we do, all that I do, all that we desire, all that I should desire, everything in our hearts, it should, it should, it should desire be a desire to to have something that pleases God. Not because our pleasing God gains us any, any favor with God, but we should seek to please God because of what he has already done, because what we have already gained by the work he has already done. We should want to please him because he is our God and he loves us. And we see Israel's priests here despising God's name through their offerings. And God in his holiness, he expects and demands the best from his people. Good enough isn't good when it is compared to the holiness of God. Yet I fear that we, and I'm including myself, this is a, a corporate we are as guilty of bringing good enough before God as the priests were in Malachi's time. If we look at verses 9 and 10, right? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious with to us with such a gift from our hand, he will show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. It's almost like God saying to them, look, you spend a lot of time watching TV and movies, but hardly any time reading, memorizing, or meditating on the scripture. You have tons of time for your hobbies and other activities, but you haven't gathered with the saints in church. In corporate worship for months. And then, then when you pray, you treat me like I'm a handyman and you want me to fix all your problems and smooth everything over. It's kind of like what God's digging at here. When I read it and I think about it that way, and I think that I'm as guilty as, as some of these priests in Malachi in treating God this way, I am thankful for a patient and loving God who takes a precious long time before he comes to his wit's end. Because I know my own consistency is appalling when I really think about it. That inconsistency in me shows a lack of my reverence before God. And those kinds of requests being brought to God in that manner shall despise for His name. When I think about that third commandment out of, the, out of the Ten Commandments, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. It does not get any more vain than treating God in this manner. This rebuke that God gives to the priests here in Malachi This rebuke comes with an important truth that that we need to hold to. Before God ever accepts your gift, He examines your heart. And He's inspecting it. The value of what we offer God is determined... All right, sorry about that. Had a battery failure. Should have checked that before the service. But anyway, the rebuke that God gives to the priests here in Malachi, it comes with this important truth that we need to hold to, that before God ever accepts your gift, he inspects your heart. The value of what we offer up to God is determined by the condition in our hearts. And that's important. There's this old preacher story that I've heard many, many times. Um, and and I, I don't know the truth of the story, but I understand the point of the story, right? It's about this, this new believer in Africa, and he has just come to the Lord through a missionary visiting his village over and over again, and he's, he's attending his first real organized worship service, and he's going to be baptized that Sunday. And church and all the trappings and all the things of church and how church works are foreign to him. Because he's come to know Christ through, through this missionary visiting the village. He's never really attended church. This is the first time there. He doesn't necessarily understand everything that's happening around him as he's gathered with the saints, but he's eager to learn. He's eager to serve, and he, he just is eager to, to know God. And the offering, offering time comes, and the ushers begin passing all the plates around. And he's kind of like, well, I don't know what this is about. This is new. And he's from this very poor family in this very poor village. And he sees that people are reaching in their pockets and putting money into the offering plates. And he kind of fishes around in his own pockets and he realizes there's nothing there. His pockets are empty. And so the plate comes to this young man who has just come to know Christ through the missionary that's there. And the young man places the offering plate on the ground and he puts his feet In the offering plate, he steps into it and he stands into it and he says out in a loud voice before everybody, God, thank you for saving me. I have no money, but you can have all of me. See, I believe that this young believer in this story really understands what God truly desires from us more than the priests of Israel did in Malachi's day. And it's my prayer that that you and I, we have a heart that understands pure worship as well as this new believer had. See, you would would think that these priests would, would see God's dispute with them and see the wickedness of their way, but they don't. So they come back at God complaining about how tiresome it is to offer sacrifices to God and And even laugh it off, it says the word snort shows up there. You snort at it. What a weariness is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. There is no change of heart from the priests, and God will not tolerate it. A curse is upon them, for they have cheated the Lord God Almighty. See, the idea of serving God and making regular sacrifices to Him has become a burden to the priests and to the people. Worship has become a hardship in their minds and their hearts. Oh, may worship of God never become a hardship to us, may it never be a burden. God has mentioned two types of unacceptable sacrifice up to this point, right? The people were offering lame and sick animals. Both were unacceptable. God introduces a, a third kind of unacceptable sacrifice that the people are bringing before him. Just out and out defective sacrifices. See, the people are bringing animals before the Lord that they have stolen or gotten from some ethical or immoral means. They're not even their animals they're sacrificing. The sacrifice is is costing the people nothing. It's not a real sacrifice. If there's no sacrificing in your sacrifice, it's not a sacrifice. It's not how it works. See, our, our worship is so much more than words. It's so much more than our actions. It's an attitude. It is a state of mind. It is a condition of our hearts. And everything in it and everything about it is connected to how you view God. When you see God in truth for who He is and for all He's done, your worship will reflect that. Paul writes to us, and he says this way, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By that testing, you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Malachi is, is speaking to the priests of, of ancient Israel. But we as followers of Christ, we're priests. Right? We have entered into a priesthood of Jesus in coming to Christ. right? We are called to offer up spiritual sacrifices of worship. When we take the time to seriously consider all that God has done for us, what we see God has done for us through Jesus Christ, as we see Jesus as God presenting to us the only one who is worthy of worship and praise. We must respond with true heartfelt obedience. Our obedience to Christ will drive us to make spiritual sacrifices with a pure heart. And we have to continually recommit ourselves to God. So so what do we do? What are our action steps that we need to take? Well, first, commit your life to Jesus Christ. Right? If, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, commit your life to Jesus Christ. Understand that all of us have sinned and that we, sin in our lives has earned us death and eternal separation from the favorable presence of God. Our sin is grievous. We have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and we have worshiped and served the created rather than the creator. It's not something we need to take lightly. But the beautiful thing is is that God in his love has not left us without a way out of our sin. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, the only begotten of God, willingly paid a price we could not afford to pay. He willingly took on the wrath of God that was due to you and I for our sin. even though he had no sin of his own. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The scriptures teach us that. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you want to know more, man, take the time to speak with me after service. Get a hold of me through Facebook. However, if you're listening on Facebook, you're listening to the podcast, reach out to us. We want to talk to you about being a follower of Jesus Christ. That's step one. If you're already a follower of Christ and you see the importance of right worship before a holy God, I want you to consider five things. I want you to consider offering up your body just like Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Just put that offering plate down, step in it. Ain't got no money, but you can have all of me. Start there. Two, offer up your financial your finances as a spiritual sacrifice. Now, this is not a financial sermon. This is not one of those things. This is not thing right we, we know the people of israel did not offer their finances as a spiritual sacrifice and the lord was displeased with them we we see that but yet we also see in philippians four fourteen through 18 that, that paul's writing and he says yet it was kind of you to share my trouble and you philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when i left macedonia no church entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering acceptable and pleasing to God. This is what Paul's talking about as he's talking about this finances. Look, I'm, I'm not asking anybody here in the room, online, wherever. I'm not asking anyone to drop more into the plate for Calvary Heights. I'm not. You give what God has led you to give to Calvary Heights Baptist Church, and God will make do at Calvary Heights Baptist Church with what we have. I believe that. What I am asking you to do is sincerely pray about how God wants you to further the gospel through your personal finances. I want you to sit down as, as a family, sit down as a group, and just talk and pray about it. Find gospel minded ministries that you believe in, find gospel minded ministries that you feel you can support, and bless those gospel minded ministries. Whether that's supporting independent missionaries, that's fine. Whether that's supporting college ministries, that's fine. Whether that's supporting food pantries that you know preach the gospel. That's fine. Take the time to look at that. Pray about it. Find a gospel-minded ministry and support them and bless them. Third one I want you to think about is this, to offer up your praise to God. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name in Hebrews 13, 15. I find it interesting here. We've got... Lips in Malachi 1 who despise the name of the Lord. But the writer of Hebrews is asking us to have lips that acknowledge his name as followers of Christ. That lift him up and say, you know what? It's not anything that I'm doing. I don't understand why Jesus is using me, but he's using me and I'm grateful and thankful for it. I don't want to get into the like whole Christian cliche of, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm not talking about any of that stuff that sort of silliness that we see stitched on pillows. But I'm talking about offering up legitimately praise unto our God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he deserves it, and he always deserves it. We should be praising him regularly. Continually sacrifice, offer up a sacrifice of praise. Offer up your good works to God, number four. Right? Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When you're doing it, do it unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be sweeping, sweeping porches, taking out the trash, right? Whatever it is, offer it up to God. God, I, I, there, there's, a, there's a book that I read, called Always Wear Clean Underwear and Other Ways Your Parents Say I Love You. And it's written by a rabbi, uh, Mark Gelman. And it's a a favorite book that I love to read to kids. And there's there's a a part of that that he talks about your parents telling you to take out the trash, right? And and nobody likes to take out the trash. That's like the job. But he says, you know, there's a blessing in taking out the trash. And he's not wrong in that. That there's a blessing in doing something that simple unto the Lord. To take the time out to say, God, thank you that I have the ability to take out trash. Without you in my life, I wouldn't even be able to do that. If you hadn't blessed me to be able to stand up and walk and carry a a hefty bag, I couldn't do that. That in and of itself is a blessing. Rabbi Gelman says sometimes, though, if it's a really nice night out, Maybe you can peek up and see the stars and you take out the trash and realize how good God is. Could be a perk. I'm just saying. Finally, number five, offer up those who have committed their lives to Christ because you've shared the gospel with them. Take the time to continue to pray for those folks that you know you've shared the gospel for. That's an act of worship. Romans 15, 16 says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Continually praying for those that you have shared the gospel message with. Man, if we're worshiping God this way, where we, we offer up our bodies, we offer up our finances, we offer up our praise, we offer up our works, and we offer up those that we know we have led to the Lord and say, Lord, use all of these things to your glory, to your benefit. Man, there's power in that. There's power of the Holy Spirit moving in a community when we see that. And we get to then experience this, that that it is by God's grace that, that we are able to offer up right and meaningful worship to him. Rightly worship the only one who is worthy of all honor. Rightly worship the only one who is worthy of all glory. Rightly worship the only one who is worthy of all praise. Let's do that as we get ready to leave his place. Do it out in public. Do it in our places of business. Rightly worship through what God has given us. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for drawing us near to you, calling us to rightly worship you. Father, we want to worship you your way, not somebody else's way, not our way. We want to worship you in a manner that that is acceptable and pleasing to you. We want to worship you in offering up everything we can. Ourselves. Our finances. Our praise. Our works. And our sharing of the gospel with others. Give us the courage to worship you that way. Give us the strength to worship you that way. Give us the desire in our hearts to worship you that way. Send us away from this building, worshiping you that way. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen.